It's good to know that, that God is with us. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, it is good to be in your house today, Lord. Father, to sit still, to be still and know that you are Lord and you are God. Father, we sit in your peace. We sit in your love. Lord, you know every one of us. You know all about us. You know our hurts, our deepest hurts, our deepest desires, oh God. Lord, we pray that your very presence, your spirit this morning, will come and bring blessing, bring healing, Lord. Bring new wisdom, new insight, almighty God. Father, we thank you that you love us so much. We're never alone, oh God. You are with us, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We're in the series of um, Ecclesiastes, and uh, the first couple of weeks, uh, I was away last week. Uh, I, I had COVID, so you've got to have your turn. So, um, yeah, got through that, hopefully. But um, the first couple of weeks, we realized with Ecclesiastes that you can have everything in the world. You can have all the pleasures in the world, but life can still be meaningless. Life can still be directionless. You can have everything. And we looked at Plato, this old philosopher, who has the saying, man is a being in search of meaning. And if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, if you're a Christian this morning, you have found meaning to your life. And everyone jumps up and goes, yay! Yay! You have, you have life. You have abundant life. You have joy. You have abundant joy. And you have peace. And anything else you want, you can have. But as you read Ecclesiastes, there, there's a for and then there's against, isn't there? And when we started, we looked at this question. That the, the author was asking the question, what is life all about? And then we get to chapter 3 where we find this tension that there's the for and there's the against. There's the good and there's the not so bad good. There's the high and then there's also the low. And a lot of our striving and gaining and achieving, whatever we think is so great, can be chasing after the wind, as we've seen. And we look today at the passing of time. We look at the seasons of life that come and go, the movement of our life the change of our life. And when you read these verses, you realize that there's nothing old or traditional or boring about God's Word. It works for today. It is exciting. And these verses here, they bring us up with a jolt. They wake us up because they are reminding us to live for today. Live your best life today. And um, I'll put some quotes in the newsletter. One of them, I think it was John Lennon, Lennon who said, Life is what passes you by while you are preparing to live. We forget it. It all happens and we wake up and then you blink and it's gone. And you say, what happened to all those years? Look, I'm old and grey and I'm old and I'm weary now. What's happened? And we come up with this wonderful word, which we call relative. Say, oh, it's all relative. Don't worry, everything's relative. Whatever that means, and it sounds okay. But life is going to happen. 
everything is relative and slots into some kind of seasonal time zone and change that we're all in. And we live in a continuum of change. And when you're young, you probably don't realize that so much. But change is always happening. And opposites denote reality. Born and you die. Pain and you heal. Weep and you laugh. Mourn and you dance. And again, in the New Testament, it challenges us with what Jesus said. Similar thoughts in the gospel. He says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. With man, it is impossible. But for God, all things are possible. The greatest will also be a servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled. All who humble themselves will be exalted. Whoever loses his life for my sake will be saved. The thief comes to steal and destroy, but Jesus comes to bring life. In Revelations, I am the first and the last. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God's Spirit is intrinsically woven into every aspect of our lives. We are born again from death to life, from the old to the new. There is ultimately good news. There is ultimately hope. This, these verses, this is about time, the comings and goings of life, which we have no control over. And we cannot live in the utopian of the goodness of life and everything is great. But you see, with God, with God there is never a full stop. With God there is never a dead end. With God there is always hope. There's always another step to be taken. There's always movement. There's always something happening. The Christian life is never static. Yes! Okay then. The only time there was a full stop with God was at the cross. When the sin, the evil, the death of the world came to a dead end at the death of Jesus Christ. That's the full stop we talk about. And then life, the resurrected life, new life, begins for every one of us when we choose Jesus. When we choose the death and resurrection of our Lord and Saviour. Death for my sin. And we have life. We have abundant life. Every person. We have new life. So you see, there's always a continuing story with God's plan. All we have to do is go and chase it. All we have to do is go and find it. All we have to do is pray and ask. That is what our relationship with Christ is all about. The continuing story. And so many of us come to Christ and we stop. So many of us tick all the boxes of heaven and baptism and stop. We do not realize that there's a continuing story that God has for our life. And we go through the seasons. We go through the times of life. And we need to be careful that we don't ignore that. We need to be careful that we don't get stuck. I've come across people over the years in the church who who get stuck. They get into a problem or a hassle 
and it gets too hard and they can't get out of it. And some people enjoy their problem. You've probably met them. Some people enjoy their hassle. And then all of a sudden it becomes a secure place because everybody is there to help them all the time because they always need help. And they're stuck. It's sad. They're stuck there because it's a secure place. And they always know someone will be there asking them questions. And we all go through that. We do get times where we're stuck and we're lost. Point is to move out of it, to move beyond it, to find the hope on the other side. And that's where we need that confidence in our Lord and our Saviour. And often the church can get stuck. A church can get stuck in a place as well as individuals. And we need to make sure that as a church, as a community of faith, we are moving forward, that we are doing stuff and things are going to happen. Out of tragedy will always come hope. Out of sadness will come joy. The weak become strong. The poor become rich. There is movement in your Christianity. There is movement in your walk with the Lord. Don't be stuck. Something is always happening. There's always another picture. There's a bigger picture. And as I've said so often, we have to stop and be still and know God and ask what season of my life am I in? At whatever age, whatever stage we are, what does this season look like that I'm in? Do I see God, my Lord, my Savior in the season with me? Many years ago, after I was finishing the first church I'd been in, Whangamata, Sue and I, my wife, we've been married for about 45 years, and we've moved every five to eight years. I, I don't advocate that. It's just what's happened. And um, as I said, you know, I went to college to train for sort of supposedly chaplaincy in the military at some point. And after my first church, we were coming to the end, and I used um, Craig and Michaela, who have been at Bethlehem for 30 years, we would meet with them every few months at Caddy Caddy and have a coffee and talk about church. And, and Craig said, oh, what are you up to? And I said, oh, I'm finishing, coming to an end, and I need the season of life about chaplaincy. I need to pursue that. So we, um, I rung up the head chaplain man in the military, and he came up, and we had lunch with him and, and my wife and um, chatted about chaplaincy. And when he left, Sue and I looked at each other, and we said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go and work for him in chaplaincy. It's not going to happen. So that was fine. So then um, Craig, when we saw him again, he said, what are you up to? He said, I'm not doing chaplaincy. He said, oh, we'll, we'll be looking, this was September of 2000, we'll be looking for an associate pastor next year. Come and have an interview. Went down, I had an interview with the elders. They said, oh, we'll call you next year uh, when we get enough money. I said, yeah, that's right. I'm happy where I am. The Baptist man who was in charge of chaplains rang me a week later and said, how'd you go with that interview? And I said, no, I'm not going to work for that man. He said, anyway, I'm not going to work for him. He said, oh, okay. Then he rang me back and said, they're short of chaplains, would you reconsider? And I said, well, if, they, if I don't have to, I'd been out for 14 years. If I don't have to redo my courses, then they'll send me to Auckland. Then he said, yep, they'll give you what you want. So the year had gone on, went to Wellington, had an interview with Defence, 
And they said, when do you want to join? And I said, oh, on Easter. So he came back and then Sue said, oh, you better ring Craig, this was January now, and tell him that um, you won't be available. So I did. And he said, are you really sure about that? And I said, yeah. I said, I need that season, the time. I've, I've always had that. And he said, we've just had an elders meeting. We've got enough money. We're going to call you now. And that was early 2001. Seasons of life. I went to the military for seven years. I had my trip overseas. I came back. And each year, Bethlehem Baptists do an Easter thing called Easter Journeys, which is a big extravaganza about the message of the Bible right through a very brilliant thing. So I'd never seen it. I was up at Fenuapai, and Sue and I said, oh, let's travel down to Bethlehem over Easter. We walked through Easter Journey. Right at the end, there was Craig sitting there having a coffee. He said, how are you going? He said, what are you up to? And I said, oh, I think my time in the military is coming to an end. He said, oh, we're looking for another pastor to come down for an interview. <laughs> so I went down, had an interview, and I ended up going there to work for seven years. The seasons of life are not always the journey or the pattern we prescribe. But God is with us. The point is that we knock on the door, we take a step, we ask a question. And sometimes we have to be willing to ask the question and to see what or look or pray about the, what the answer is. We need to see that God is linked in every aspect of our life. Our Heavenly Father loves us. He, he guides us. He directs us. And as these, these um, verses in Ecclesiastes tell us, there's the good, the bad, the sad, the ugly of life, the unwanted surprises and pain. It is never easy or straightforward. Stuff is going to happen. But God walks with us through that journey. And that's what we need to celebrate. And verse 11, it says here, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. There is a sense, like Plato says, that man is a being in search of meaning. We all search till we find our Lord and our God. And we see it in society today, and it's just a big circle. It's a big season. We all go through seasons, and life just goes on and on. And sometimes we have to get off the treadmill and say, stop. I want to stop and take time out. I want to seek the Lord and ask what he is saying to me. In that verse again, it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. God is in control. And we desire to meet our Heavenly Father. Don't be stuck. Look toward heaven. Find your future hope and direction with God. He will answer. He will always be there. And how do we live amongst these seasonal changes? How do we live amongst changing times and rhythms in our lives? And the first thing is to accept the season and the journey that you're on. Accept the reality that you have right now. Accept it. Relax. Enjoy it. And then discern the season that you're in. Ask the Lord. Accept it, then discern it. 
Ask God. Read your Bible. Ask people. Wise counsel. Ask people to pray for you. Two weeks ago, I was on a retreat, and um, the people I went through college with 30 years ago, we still meet uh, every year for three days, and sometimes the wives came, and I think one wife came and gave me COVID, which was okay. <laughs> but that's okay. And, and these people that, that we've travelled with for 30 years, they come throughout all of New Zealand, uh, usually nine or ten people who have been in ministry. One person has since died, passed away. One person now has uh, terminal illness. And we listen to their journey. We listen to the season of their life. We cry with them. We laugh with them. We pray with them. And then when you realize, when you look back, that you have met with these people for 30 years, the ups and the downs of life, and you realize no one gets through life unscarred. There's always scarring. There's always problems. There's always sadness. And we need to discern the season that God is, has placed within us or the season we're in and discern God in that. And thirdly, the other thing is we need to be confident in our faith. We need to be confident in who we are as followers of Jesus and moving forward. And I can recall times when I think back into the early days of, of my walk of faith, things that happened that gave me a confidence in God, the moving of the Spirit in the times and the people I met and the foundation that was built. We need to have a confidence in our faith, a confidence in our belief system of confidence in who God is and, and not allow ourselves to be stuck or to be lukewarm in our faith. Because James 4 says to us, you don't, do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Bit of a sad verse, isn't it? It's another jolt. It's another wake-up call. You are a mist we're only a passing mist. And when you look at Jesus' life, his, his arrest and his cru crucifixion, everything turns out bad for him. False arrest, false accusations. His friends are deserting him. Peter even denies knowing him. How weak is that? Have you ever sat down and thought, how can Peter deny Jesus? He walked with him. He lived with him. He saw the miracles. He saw the splendor of Jesus. Thomas is the same. How can Thomas say, I don't believe it? I don't believe Jesus died. I don't believe he rose from the dead. Show me the scars. Let me place my hand in his wounds, Thomas says. God knows about our weak, fragile, human condition. Think about Peter denying Jesus. Is it, would we deny Jesus? He's traveled with him. He's seen the miraculous. He's seen God amongst us. I don't know. Don't know him. Don't know him. We all are quite fickle. We all have a feebleness. We all have a weakness. What are Thomas's first words when he 
places his hands in the wounds of Jesus. He says, my Lord and my God. In Hebrew, it's Adonai Elohim. Adonai Elohim, my God, my God, my Lord, my foundation, my rock, my Lord, my God. And you know, sometimes that's all we can do. My Lord and my God. Fall on our knees, my Lord and my God. Humble ourselves, my Lord and my God. I can't work it out, Lord. I'm lost. I cannot fathom the love that you have for me, Lord. All I can do is fall on my knees, my Lord and my God. Four powerful, powerful words. Four words of of surrender, submission to God, my Lord and my God. How fickle, how feeble are Peter and Thomas to do that to our Lord? Would we do it? Would we deny God? Sadly, there's so much spiritual awakening in those words when we get on our knees, my Lord and my God. You know, Peter denied him three times. He put the boot in three times. Falsely accused, Jesus' friends deny him. And then Thomas comes back, my Lord and my God. You know, and that's, sometimes that's all we can do. Sometimes that's all we need to do, to fall on our knees in submission to our Lord, my Lord and my God. In the 15th century, um, in Bohemia, over in Prague, way in Czechoslovakia, there was a, a professor of theology, John Huss, and um, he was bring, bringing a movement together called the Moravians. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they were going against the teaching of the Catholic Church, and, and they, they went through this time of of denying and therefore persecution, and, and they escaped out of Moravia, or the area of Czechoslovakia, and they ended up in Germany, in, outside of Dresden, in a place called Hernhut, and some land that this Count, Count Zinzendorf gave them. And it's a wonderful story about this Moravian sort of, you'd almost call it a sect, I suppose, but they'd had enough of the Catholic world, so they were going to be persecuted. And they went through the season of discontent and persecution, and they ended up on this estate owned by Count Zinzendorf, which he was a very strong Christian man, and he gave them this land, and, and they, a couple of hundred people, and they produced a community, and they lived there for a number of years. So they had a season of contentment. And then they started getting annoyed with each other and got upset. And this, this wonderful Christian community went through hassle and upheaval again. And people left and they ridiculed each other. And they went through this whole time. And then so the Count Zinzendorf, he came in and he brought the community back together again from a sense of forgiveness and understanding and love and acceptance and rebuilt this community. So they went through another season of rebuilding. And one of their Sundays, and, and they, there's only a small group of people, it wasn't huge, and the Spirit of the Lord just fell upon this group of people. And they had this season of blessing, of love and, and peace and, and, and a sense of joy and coming together. 
And then they, they start, some people said, let's pray. Let's pray. So they prayed 24-7. They had 24 people spending an hour a day praying for a whole week. Then they did it for two weeks. Then they did it for three weeks. Then they did it for a year. And they had a season of prayer. And from, you know, does anyone know how many years they prayed? 24-7. Have you heard the story? The small group of people, they prayed 100 years. And they sent hundreds of missionaries. This was in the 15th, 16th, 17th century. It's in the 24-7 prayer world. And they sent hundreds of missionaries throughout the world. And they went through seasons of discontent, seasons of content, seasons of upheaval, seasons of prayer. And they kept going and going and sent hundreds and hundreds of people. You imagine the 15th, 16th century sending missionaries throughout the world. But they found that season. And even John Wesley, that great preacher John Wesley who started the Methodist Church, he went to America to preach to the, the native Indians and it all went wrong. It all went bad for him. Things just didn't work. So he was dis- de- depressed. He was just totally distressed, depressed. He wondered whether he would ever speak again, John Wesley. And he's on the ship going back to England and there's a small group of Moravians on there. And he was impressed at their settled lifestyle, their peaceful lifestyle, their prayerful lifestyle, because sometimes the ship would be in all sorts of weathering conditions, and this group of Moravians just sat there quietly praying. And the story goes that he arrived in England. John Wesley, this is John Wesley, out. He's out to it. He's out to lunch. He doesn't want to preach again. And he goes along to one of the Moravians' house group meetings. And and there's a little extract that follows John Wesley, and it says, My heart was truly warmed. My heart was truly warmed. In other words, the Spirit of the Lord touched him again, and he had the confidence to go and preach. And why I share that is this Moravian group, if you look at the seasons of the sect, of what they went through to get to this place of amazingly, of prayer, which influenced John Wesley, the great preacher, down the track. What season has God put you in? What season is this church in? And Christianity is about seasons. It is about movement. It is about knowing that God loves us and God cares for us. Brother Lawrence, and there's a couple of uh, quotes I've got in the, in the order today, and Brother Lawrence was a 17th century Carmelite friar and he's known for working in the kitchen very quietly and there's a a book called Practicing the Presence of God and some of the quote, one of the things he says that the harder and tougher the pain and the circumstances became, he loved it because he felt closer to God. We don't want pain, we don't want hard circumstances, We want cotton wool. We want pain relief. But Brother Lawrence says, the harder it was, he got on his knees, my Lord and my God, Adonai Elohim. Can we do that? I can't. When I've got COVID, I don't want to get on my knees. I want pain relief. But for him, he knew where his relief was. He knew where his peace was. 
We want, we want everything nice and comfortable. But sometimes we just need to say, this is the season of my life. I need to get on my knees. I need to proclaim faith. I need to proclaim surrender. Brother Lawrence, the other verse I've written down there is, he says, I believe that all spiritual life consists of practicing God's presence and that anyone who practices it correctly will soon attain spiritual fulfillment. That's such a wonderful saying. Practicing the presence of God will soon attain spiritual fulfillment. Life can be tough, the ups and downs, but God walks with us. In the seasons of life, don't be stuck in a particular season. Psalm 30 says, Weeping may stay the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And those verses in chapter 3, that's exactly what it tells us. It shows us there's hope. There's always an answer. There's always a step forward. There's always a way forward. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Walk with the Lord with this. Don't be stuck. There's always good news. There's always good news coming. Think of Job, you know, the end of chapter one. He's lost everything. He just worships the Lord. He's on his knees worshiping the Lord. Incredible, isn't it? Finding the presence of God in every situation. And as we finish those verses this morning, it says, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is a gift from God. God's gift is to be happy, to be joyful, to fun, satisfaction. Eternity is trapped in our hearts. St. Augustine says, you made me for yourself. My heart is restless until it finds rest in you. Have you found that rest in the Lord? My heart is restless and until it finds rest in you. Hallelujah. We've gone from a, the first couple of chapters where everything is meaningless, where everything is chasing after the wind, where now we have eternity in our heart, searching for the Lord. And to be happy to do good, to eat and drink and find satisfaction in our Lord. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. I came that you may have life in all its fullness. That is for today. Life in all its fullness. And we need, you know, when we listen and see what's happening, we need to make sure that we are living the life, the full life. Whatever is happening, whatever season we're in, living life to the fullness. Knowing that we're not trapped there knowing that there is something better to look forward to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Excitement. Yes. God is good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, that in the stillness and the peace, we can find you, Lord, and you will find us. Father, thank you that we are fickle and we are feeble, Lord. We, we are the Peter. We are the Thomas, oh God. 
But Lord, we also know that you welcome us back with open arms, Lord. We are the prodigal son who runs away and comes back, oh God. And you again welcome us with open arms, Lord. Father, thank you that you are always with us. You are always close to us, almighty God. Father, help us to be a people who search for you and find you, O God, and find your love, your joy, your peace, O Lord. Thank you, Lord, as we ask, we will receive, almighty, mighty God. Hallelujah. Amen.